Today, we're going to close out this session uh, of messages. You remember when we were talking on fireproofing your relationships? And Elder Sam talked, talked about um, the first Sunday of this month, he talked on uh, fireproofing your relationships before marriage, uh, which was a great message. Uh, this is part seven, which is, ends up the message. And you remember last week, and I put it in your bulletin so you you uh, already have some of the notes from there. And you, of course, you can download it from um, our audio website. But it's how to fix the problem. So we put in there some of the notes. And I started talking about, really, some hypothetical questions. You know, like, uh, what if my mate is disobedient to the word of God, what do I do? And these are questions that have gotten uh, over the over the twenty some years that we've been ministering to people. Uh, and another question we talked about was, what if I don't want to get married yet, but I want all the privileges? And that means that basically they want to get married, but they want to do everything that married people do, basically. Uh, and um, we talked about that question. Another one was, what if two people were unbelievers when they got married, but one got saved and the other one did not? We talked about that one. And, I, and I, when I closed the message out, I said that I would talk about uh, one other one, uh, which was, what if my mate is physically abusive? Uh, and another one was, what if my mate is verbally abusive? Well, you know, we can, it's not enough Sunday messages to talk about all the what ifs because there's so many different uh, scenarios within the same what if because uh, di- people are different they bring different uh, situations into it so the main thing we have to do is pray we have to seek God and we have to seek uh, godly counsel and you have to sp- seek your, uh, your spiritual uh, overseers because they have oversee- oversight of your soul and, and come up with a, with a plan that we, we think will be uh, conducive for uh, taking care of the problems. Well, let's pick it up there. What if my mate is physically abusive? Well, you know that anybody that's physically abusive, uh, and then go, uh, um, in particular, is men, uh, hidden women. Uh, it's not too many women that beat up on men. Not too many, you know. If, if you married one, then you know. Uh, wow, yeah. But uh, most of the time it's men pushing on, hitting on women. And it's, 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 a, it's a terrible thing in society. But in the church, it's a ter- it's, I mean, it's, 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 a, it's really ridiculous in the church. But, it, but it, it happens. It's been happening over the 20 years that I've been ministering. And that, that person that would hit a woman, they, they really, they, they got serious problems. One, of course, you know, is anger. One is lack of self-control. We know that uh, they don't honor the person. They really don't honor the person. God told us to honor everybody. But you know they don't honor their, their wife and they're going to push and hit on their wife, you know. Uh, and they have baggage probably from their uh, growing up environment. They might have seen this. Uh, uh, you know, I, I don't know. There's so many scenarios that, that could happen. But a person needs help. They really do. They need help. Uh, and the person who is going to allow someone to hit on them they have a serious problem, too. Because, you know, really, if you're going to allow somebody to hit on you, push on you, uh, you really don't know who you are in Christ. You know? uh, you're not a punching bag, you know. You're not a pushing machine. You know, you, you, you are, uh, the women are, are vessels of honor. They're supposed to be uh, cared for. They're supposed to be cherished, which we'll talk about a little later. Uh, so to allow that to happen 
There's something wrong with you, and I don't know what it is. It could be many things. It could be fear. It could be warped or uh, twisted love. You know, you might think, well, well, you know, I love the person, you know, and I know he loves me, and, and I shouldn't have said this, and this is probably why he did that, and he probably won't do it again. It's, it's, so, it's, it's so, so men and women put up with this that it's ridiculous. And my counsel has always been that if, if a man hits you, you, uh, you know, call, call the police. And number one, and, and let him know that he's not going to get away with this because the law prevents men from hitting on women and uh, take out a warrant on him. Uh, he, he'll learn, you know. He'll learn real quick um, uh, when he starts getting a record. Uh, also, you need, to, you need to seek your spiritual help um, and, and find out what we're going to do because the person needs help. Both of you need help, really. And so you need to sit down because you don't, just don't want to leave a person without uh, any avenue of getting back together. You want to let it know that we, you're not going to stand there and be hit. You're not going to stand there and get, get pushed on. You're gonna, we're going to separate ourselves, and, and we're going to get some help on this thing. And if the man doesn't want help, then you separate yourself until he does want help. And if he doesn't ever want help, that means he doesn't want you. you know? And if you want to live in that situation, you're foolish. You're real foolish. Matter of fact, uh, David King, uh, who was anointed already king, and he was under King Saul, and David didn't stand there and get hit with a spear. You know, uh, Saul he was Saul was going to kill the man. He was going to kill David, uh, and, and God did not get on David about running, about separating himself from King Saul. You know, um, and God's not going. God doesn't expect us to get get beat around. God doesn't beat his, his church around, does he? No. So he doesn't expect us to get beat around. So uh, that's. That's an easy one. That's a no-brainer, really. You know? And if you sit there and do that, then you are seriously uh, sick. You know? So you don't, don't, don't do that. And don't be hiding it. You know? uh, let somebody know what's going on, because if you allow it, it's going to continue to happen. You, know? you really are. What if my mate is verbally abusive? Well, you know, First Peter 3, 1 through 4, which we... Uh, gave on the one last week, it can be used for this too, that if my mate is verbally abusive, then uh, first of all, you don't want to be verbally abusive back to them. If you're reviled, don't revile back again. Jesus didn't do that. And so what you want to do, um, you can, and, and this verbal abusive, it, it can be done by the female or the male. So this verse can be used for the male as well as the female. Uh, you just change it around a little bit. Uh, your mate can be won over with your, you know, um, from lack of words. Just because uh, that person want to argue and wants to, wants to put you down, don't get into that same old game with them. You know? Just separate yourself from, uh, uh, from that room. Uh, go in your room, close the door, you know, and, and let, them, let them fuss at themselves. Most people don't want to argue themselves. You know, mo- mo- really, most people want somebody to argue back with them. They want to fight. You know? They want a good argument. And you can't argue with somebody that won't argue back. And I know people who, uh, I mean, they're, they're old, you know, older, and they're still abusive to their mate. And it's ridiculous, you know. It's ridiculous. And, and um, uh, in the church, it's really terrible. Because how are we going to say we're ministers of God, we're servants of the Most High God, and we're putting our mate down, we're using profanity with our mates, we're just, uh, uh, God says don't let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. 
but that which is good for edifying. So there's no way in the world you, you expect that, that you're going to be godly and representing God and you're, you're putting your wife down or the wife is putting the husband down. And that can be really degrading, you know, it really can. Uh, because you can say some mean things to each other. And, and that is not, not good. That's not good. And as a matter of fact, you can, you can um, do that enough and you will destroy one another. You destroy your marriage. Because, um, you know, the world says, you know, uh, sticks and stones might break my bones, but words never hurt. But that's a, that's a lie. Words do hurt. You know, words hurt. Who wants to be told, you know, uh, some uh, ridiculous thing? You know, um, about 15, about 15, yeah, about 15 or so years ago, there was a couple in our church, and, and, and he seemed so, so nice, you know, she seemed so nice and everything. And um, they were in the church for a while, then they left. And, and uh, later on I heard, and she was, matter of fact, she was over in the, you know, the house that, that, that's behind uh, the church on Park Avenue, when we were on, on Park Avenue, it's, it's a house that the Salvation Army had for, for women, you know. And she was in that house, and we said, wait, what are you doing over here? I thought you were married, I thought you, you know... Well, my husband been abusing me, you know, and, and talking and, and calling my name. And it was interesting, you know. And it, it, was, it was a terrible situation because she said that this man called her every, all kind of names, all kind of names, you know. And it, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous, you know. And you can, you can imagine if you live with somebody and they start calling you these names, bad names, you know. And not just uh, profane names. They, people can say some things to you, you know, that's really, really bad, you know. You know what I'm talking about, ladies. You know, they say some mean things to you, and that, that's that's really bad. You know, and so I say that that uh, you don't want to you, you don't want to be involved in it. You need to get help. So you need to go to your spiritual cover. You need to find out. Say, okay, now what can we do about this thing? Prayer is, a, is one thing we need to do, and seeking God. Is, we need to do that and find out what His answers to this thing. We need to get uh, both people in, and if the abusive one won't come in. Uh, which most time they won't, you know. Uh, they they want to hide the situation. They don't want nobody to know the situation. So they come to church, they smile, and you know they they want to do everything. And we have people who are uh, who minister the word of God and 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 abusive, you know, to their mate. And it's ridiculous, you know. Who does we want to stand there and listen to to somebody uh, teach the word of God and they're abusive to their mate at home? This is ridiculous, isn't it? You know, it's ridiculous. But people do that, you know. So the thing is that, that you want to get help. So that's what spiritual covenant is for. There's a lot of, uh, like I said, what ifs and all those type of things. Um, but um, a lot of those things you have, to, you have to talk about on an individual basis because there's a lot comes into play. You know? But one thing not to do, don't get into a name-calling game. Don't get in a, a shoving match with your, with your mate uh, because that's not going anywhere. Really not. What I want to do is end the message with um, adding some uh, more principles that will be able, be able to help us to to these principles are like boundaries uh, that you can you can uh, uh, look at these principles and say okay I can I, I can use this principle in this situation that's what proverbs proverbs are they are principles that you can use to gain wisdom you know proverbs is, is uh, they are not specific areas that they don't they don't go for everything but if you read proverbs enough you'll gain wisdom because you can apply them to many different situations 
And so we want to add, we gave you five principles, and they're on your probably bulletin. And we're going to add five more today and close the message out. And what we want to do, though, is let you know that these principles now that we're adding, they are not all the principles you need to um, solve the problem in the church of divorces. They're not all inclusive because prayer is not in it. And you know you, know you have to pray. You know, uh, uh, the, what we call the, the harbor light principle, airplane landing principle, all the, what we call the decision-making process, that's not in there. Uh, but those things I expect you to already know and understand that, that you have to put a message together with other messages and line upon line, precept upon precept, and then really... Uh, don't just take one thing. These are steps for success. These are not steps of success. These are just boundaries that help us to make decisions that can help us to avoid problems in marriages. And there, there you know, there's some serious situations going on in society. The church, I told you, cannot be like society. You remember I told you that. And, and society is not going the way that God is going. I was looking at an article. Uh, that, that I got out of the paper. It's an interesting article. And just to help, help, help us to put perspective on the world. It's, it's, it's about births of unwed mothers. Some of you, how many, how many of you saw that in the paper? Anybody see that? Okay. One other person. Well, it's births of un, unmarried, uh, unwed moms in the USA. And, and, uh, but it also gave all over the world. And so, in, in Iceland, they have, they, they have 60% of, of all births are to unwed mothers. 60%. Yeah. That's in Iceland. In Sweden and Norway, it's about 50%. It's about half and half. Half are married, half are not married. Yeah. In France, Denmark, the United Kingdom, it's over 40%. And in the United States, it's about 40%. 40% of Children that are born in the United States are born to unwed mothers. Now, that's not going the way God is going, is it? It's really not. Now, in Japan, 2% of births are to unwed mothers. You know, 2%. Now, this, these are figures taken from 1980 to, ni- to 2007. Now, Japan has increased now. Back in 1980, Japan, they had 1% of, uh, of the children born were to unwed mother. 1%. And in, in the years that, from 1980 to 2007, they increased 1%. Yeah. But now we were 18% in the United States back in one, uh, 1980. And now we are 40%. So we are, we are increasing at a, at a, a real high rate. You know? Japan must be doing something right. You know? So, in a way, you know, you know the United States, you're not in a nation that's teaching uh, the Bible. You're in a nation that's not going by the Bible, you know. So, anything in the society that you see, anything in magazines you read, all this stuff, you know, is not going the way God is going. And so, that's what Elder Sam was talking about. That's what we've been teaching you, is that you have to, the church is different. The church has to be different. The church, you can't be the same in the church as it is in the world. We might as well fold up the Bible and just go do what everybody else is doing. There is, there is power in godliness. It really is. 
And God says that, the, 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 you know, all scripture is, you know, God breathed, in other words. It's given by inspiration of God, it says. And it's profitable for uh, doctrine, it's profitable for reproof, it's co- uh, profitable for correction, it's profitable for uh, training in righteousness. All scripture, from Genesis to Revelation, all scripture is uh, profitable for correction, reproof, training in righteousness, righteousness and doctrine. It's profitable that the man or the woman of God will be really perfect, or that means complete, and then thoroughly furnished, you know, like you have a house that is thoroughly furnished, you know, and it's not doesn't have one room furnished and other rooms are bare. It's thoroughly furnished for unto all good works. That's what that's what the word of God. That's in Second Timothy uh, three sixteen. All scriptures for it. So the word of God changes lives. That's why we try to tell you, get in the word of God. Because if you're not in the word of God, you're not in a changing agent. Okay? As long as you're in this word, you can be changed. If you're born again. And when you, when you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, the Holy Spirit is our teacher, he's our guide. He reminds us of those things that Jesus said to us. And if we're in the word and reading the word, Jesus is the word, so he's talking to us so the Holy Spirit can bring back those things he said. And, and the Holy Spirit can bring conviction on us and we won't be living like the world. That's what we're supposed to be doing. And so I, I'm excited about our church because our church, we try to teach discipleship. We try to teach accountability. We try to help people understand you're going to have to walk this word out. I'm not interested in people just talking to talk. You may be, but I'm not interested in people talking to talk. You know, I hear enough talking out in the streets. I hear enough talking all the years I was teaching school. Everybody talk or talk, you know. Everybody been to Sunday school and, and knows something about the Bible, you know. Every alcoholic on the street, every drug addict on the street knows something about God, you know. I'm not interested in what he knows about God. It was, you know, one person told me, said, well, oh, when I was in drugs and when I was, you know, living with this person, I, mean, I, was, I was still telling him about Jesus Christ. For what? You know? For what? You know? What kind of conviction you think that somebody's going to have? My goodness gracious. People are crazy, you know. They think, you know, but we do have Christians that think they can live any kind of way at home and think, say, well, hey, this is okay. It's okay. God loves me. Yes, he loves you. Yes, he does. Yes, he loves you. And yes, he will forgive you if you ask for forgiveness, if you change. But, but godly, godly sorrow brings repentance. And repentance brings change. But if there's no godly sorrow, there's no change, there's no repentance, and then you're going to pay for your sin, you know. And so you have to wonder about whether somebody is saved or not if they don't live according to the way the, what the Bible said. We suppose, now no one is, is, no one is what they call English perfect. Okay? Jesus was the only perfect one to walk the earth. But he called us to be complete, which is perfect. He called us to be complete. And that means that he calls us to be present towards the mark for the prize of the high calling. That's what we should be doing. We should not be just uh, uh, stagnant, you know. We should be pressing towards the mouth for the high calling. We should be making. We should be making mistakes. Yes, if we make mistakes, then ask for forgiveness. Don't make the same ones again. Just keep on pressing. Keep on pressing until we God takes us home. There should not be a stagnant Christian walking in this church right here, in any church really. Should, shouldn't be. 
And every, everybody in here, we expect for somebody to know something about your life. Because this church is not for coming, sitting, and smiling, going home, you know. Because, it, because that's, that's, a, that's, that's hypocritical because everybody has problems. Do you hear what I'm saying? Everyone has problems. So let's solve our problems, you know. We're trying to teach people how to solve their own problems. And if they can't solve their own problems, then get, get some mediation there. And then solve it. And then you can help somebody solve theirs. Our job is not, and my job definitely, and I don't want to keep doing it, is to be a counselor. I'm not interested in being a counselor. If I want to be a counselor, I would go to school to be a counselor, and, and you could come, and I'll and you know, charge you $100 an hour, and I'll say, yes, yes, I understand. Uh-huh, right, mm-hmm, yeah, you yeah. And And I call myself a Christian. Look, I'm not interested in that kind of counselor. I'm interested in a changed life. So when, I, when I'm counseling somebody, I'm trying to teach you how to walk the Word of God out so you can teach somebody else how to work the, work, work, work the Word of God out, walk it out. See, we, my job is to... To equip the saints for the work of ministry. That's what it's for. It is not for to uh, for you to be leaning on me or to lean on, on Elder Sam or Elder John. And who, Elder John is over to the um, uh, the Jefferson House teaching today, this morning. And that's where a lot of the people are. But you know, it's not for that. Our job is to train you to do what we do. Do you hear what I'm saying? So I want, I want, that's what I'm looking for all the time. Somebody that can, that can take this word of God and, and, and give this word of God to somebody like I give it to. Because that's all I'm looking for. When I meet with a, with a, a person or a couple, I'm looking to see, are you interested in the word of God being the only standard? There is no other standard. Are you interested in that? Do you believe that? Yes. Okay, your problems then are, are, are about solved. All we have to do is find out where you're deviating from the Word of God, and then help you to get to the Word of God, to do it. That's all we had to do. And so I said, okay, tell me what's going on. They tell me what's going on. I said, okay, now that, what does the Word say about that? Let's turn to it. Oh, okay. Now, this is your assignment. Do the Word of God. Hey, that's simple, isn't it? Simple. Okay? Now we have some, we have some accountability. Had to call it, hey, did you do what I said do? The Word of God said do that. Did you do it? Well... You know, and if they don't do it, then they don't want to. They, they talk a good game, but they don't want to change. If they want to change, then they change. And we said, praise God. Now, what I want you to do is start helping somebody else, because with what God helped you with, you help somebody else. And wouldn't that be marvelous if everybody, if everybody got through their problems, okay, and that problem you got through, you help somebody else with that problem. Wouldn't that be marvelous? Now, we're never going to be through with every problem, but... The problem that, that God has solved for us, somebody else got that problem. And we can, we can help them solve it. Okay? So that, that's, that's, what, that's what we're here for as elders. We're here to train you to do what we do. Okay? And that's what I do. That's all I do. And I don't charge for it. And, and I, all I want to do is listen to you. And I want to hear what you, how, if you line up with it, I said, praise God what God's doing. If you're not lined up with it, hey, let's get this line up with it. And it's simple to me. It's simple, okay? But there has to be accountability. And so uh, I haven't found yet, and I'm looking for uh, a Christian council that we can send people to that, that do just that. Open the Bible up 
and let's talk about the word of God. And then let's hold you accountable. They'll call me and say, okay, this, you, you, you remember this, this is what they did. This is what I told them. And you help me. I'm going to be praying for them. You be praying for them. And, and uh, you make sure they'll count them on this way. I'll make sure they'll count them when they come back to me uh, next month and whatever the situation is. And we, we, we're working a team together. I haven't found one to do that yet. I've been looking for them, but I haven't found one. I have many people to go to councils, uh, but I haven't found one that really want to work with the spiritual authority, who's your overseer. Um, Really, they, uh, most of what I found, they worked against me. So that's the way it is, you know, that's life, okay? So I'm looking for them. And, and I, think I, have some, I think I have somebody who's ready to do that at some point in time, but um, we'll see. Five ones we went over. What's number one? You should be reading it. No rights outside of Christ. Number two, love others even if Christ loves you. Number three, seek peace and pursue it. Number four, know the word of God. Number five, okay. Now, Ephesians 5, 28, 29. We introduce our sixth one. Husbands ought to also love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. No one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes Nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church. So our sixth principle is husbands, nourish and cherish your wife. Nourish and cherish your wives. Now to nourish means to feed, to give them nutriment, to give them nutrition, you know, in the natural. So you got to feed them the word of God. Men, you are responsible for feeding your wives the word of God. And if you're not if you're not there yet, that's okay. Then get help. We have we have discipleship class. We have a Sunday school class. Elder Sam is, is running. Uh, you got people that can help you learn the Word of God. That you can you can now feed your wife the Word of God because that's your responsibility. It says just as Christ also does the church. So if Christ nourishes us as His bride, then we need to be nourishing our bride. Is that, is that word of God or is it not? It also says to cherish. To cherish. To cherish is, is like to, to heat, to warm. It's to create an atmosphere, a warm environment that is a caring environment. It's an affectionate environment. It's a tender environment. That's what it means by uh, uh, cherishing. Men. We're responsible for cherishing our wives, not pushing on them, hitting on them, not degrading them with our words. You know, we are supposed to create an environment so they can they can grow into what uh, God wants them to do. When I think of um, uh, a, I guess they call them a, a hen that's sitting on an egg, they're creating an environment so that so that it's a warm environment too, so that 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 egg can be changed into, uh, it, can, it can come to full fruition and come to a little chick. I guess they call him a little chick, is that correct? Chad's not here to tell me he's a chicken farmer. So, I don't know, yeah. <laughs> but that's what kind of environment we're supposed to be creating for our, our mates. If you're not there, it's okay. You can get there, but you're going to have to, you know, get help getting there. 
Unless somebody help you, we got men who can help you, who can keep you accountable to a clean environment. And you have no excuse, men, to say, well, I'm too busy. I work all the time. Therefore, I can't, you know, nourish and cherish my wife like I should. God didn't say that. He said that he does it. And God has to be kind of busy, you know, <laughs> with everything that's happening in the world. He has to be pretty busy, you know. But he has, he has enough time and he nourishes and cherishes every single person that's a part of his body. He nourishes and cherishes it. It can be in the wee hours of the morning. He can nourish and cherish it. Yeah. And I'm excited about that. That's what he called us to do. And, as, and, and you know that when you first get saved, a lot of times you're not, you're not able to do that. I never knew more than I did when I first, when I first got saved. So, so therefore, it was, it was a, 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 you know, a gap there between I couldn't I couldn't help her I couldn't do anything to her I had to learn first, but I I, I was try to I try to be studious to learn, and then the gap started closing and and now I can do what I'm, I'm I'm called to do, so you can get there God means for you to get there but you got to stop making excuses, do you hear what I'm saying men you got to stop making excuses about I don't know enough my wife knows more than I do and and you know you don't. You don't even, you don't even find out whether she has her scriptures memorized for the, for this month. Have you? Have you, men? Men, it's your responsibility. I'm not talking to women. Men, it's your responsibility to find out whether your wife know their scriptures. They're supposed to know one for January, February, March, April, and this is May. This is a, they're supposed to have five scriptures, uh, four and a half ready to go. You know? That's right. That's what that, and you gotta make sure your children, there's not the wife's responsibility, it's your responsibility to make sure the children have their scriptures memorized. I'm not responsible for your wife memorizing scripture. You're responsible for your wife memorizing scripture. Do you hear what I'm saying? I'm not responsible for your children memorizing scripture. You're responsible for your children memorizing scripture. Things are getting kinda quiet. <laughs> Now, also, men, when you nourish and cherish your wife, create an environment for a part of that is setting the proper boundaries. You know, at work, you got to set the proper boundaries. You know, you have to you have to know that your wife is the one that you you're called to cherish, not this woman at work that has a listening ear, that you know uh, thinks you're you know hot. You know. You, you can't, you can't do that, you see. You can't be confiding in another woman, uh, to tell her all these intricate details, telling her what's happening in your marriage, and, you know, she said, what's up? What's wrong today? You seem like you're sad, you know? Well, my wife, you know, she didn't, oh, I wouldn't do that if I were her. I guess you wouldn't, you know? That's why you're not her, you know? <laughs> well, that's why you're not married, or you don't, or you don't divorce, you know? That's your problem, you know? So you got, you got to set the proper boundaries. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because, because, uh, uh, women are very emotional. And, and you remember the, you remember the video, the video, the DVD that you, you saw, uh, on, on Fireproof, you know. And didn't that doctor, he seemed so nice, didn't he? He mean, he still seemed so nice. He seemed like he was so concerned, you know. You know. And that fool, he, he, he was, he was married, you know. He was married, you know. I tell you, you think, we, we have to, we have to understand that he, he, he didn't nourish his own wife. 
That's why he wasn't wearing his ring, and he was trying to nourish somebody else's wife. You know, Women will do that to men. Do you hear what I'm saying? They'll do it. So you've got to set the proper boundaries at work and places like that. Uh, and so I do that at work, you know, because um, the only person to be at work with me is Alex and, and my daughter. So, you know, uh, Alex is okay, you know. <laughs> Alex is okay. He's he not one of those, you know. But uh, and my daughter, uh, so I, that's why I keep my daughter uh, with me. Uh, when Michelle was, a, Michelle, uh, I inherited Michelle and she did a great job. And I was still teaching while Michelle was the uh, secretary, Michelle Griffith. And, um, and I, would, I would come in a lot of times uh, later uh, in the day uh, when she was gone and things like that. But she was okay. Uh, but I had Ivy to train for Michelle to train because Michelle had, we got pregnant and everything. And from that point on, I had my daughters. And when Ivy wanted to be full-time at Magnolia's, then I got Brandy to be the secretary. And so, so I keep myself, you know, where at work is impossible, you know, for uh, me to uh, get uh, uh, emotion involved somebody at work, you know, impossible. So, man, you don't have that luxury because when I was teaching, I didn't have that luxury. Uh, because most in elementary school, most of them were, were, uh, were women in elementary school. Uh, so, but you have to keep proper boundaries. You gotta minister to your wife. You gotta do things together, you know? Uh, even things you don't want to do together, men, you know? Go shopping, you know? You gotta, you gotta, you gotta act like you wanna go shopping, you know? Act like it's fun, you know? Because it's fun for your wife, you know? You got to keep you got to keep the wrong influences out also, uh, because if you let your wife have wrong influences, it's going to affect your marriage. I'm, I'm telling you, keep the wrong influences out of out of your wife's life. You remember the girl on on the video? She had some bad influences in her life. You know, those women, boy, they they, they ate that man up. You know, I'm serious. They weren't about to try to save that marriage. You know. They were helping her break that marriage up. And so also, men, you got to keep the wrong influences out of your life. You can't be hanging around with the boys, you know, and the boys ain't about nothing, you know, but chasing women or drinking and stuff like that, smoking pot. You're going to have to, you're going to have to keep yourself from wrong influences because it can affect you also and affect your marriage. Time equals value. If you value your mate, you're going to spend time with your mate. And so you're going to have to carve out time. I don't care what kind of job you have, you're going to have to carve out time. Because women want attention. And there's plenty of men want to give women attention that's not their, their wife. And you don't want that. So you want, to, you want to spend valuable time with your wife also. Now, wives. And men say, amen. <laughs> wives, you need to respect and minister to your, your husband. That's, a, that's number seven. Minister and, and uh, respect your husband. Men won't respect. They're not interested in uh, a woman trying to put them down, you know. Uh, men need to feel uh, needed. Men need to feel wanted. They want to feel like they are, you know, are really tough, you know, really nice. They, they want to be complimented. They want, they want to be uh, uh, the, the number one, you know. They want to think that the son 
I'll rise and sit on them, you know. It doesn't, but they want to think that, you know. You know, and, and so women, you, you got a hard job, you know, because we, we, that's how men are. They, they, they want to be built up. You know, they, we really do. Men get put down a lot in society, you know. They really do. And they, they, have to, they have to do a lot of things at work that they don't want to do sometime for a boss who uh, uh, you know, don't appreciate them. And so they're doing that, trying to make a living and trying to work. And so you have to build that man up. That's very important. And, and respect is important. And respecting him, you don't say anything to your husband. You need to respect your husband. Don't, don't say negative things to your husband. That's not respecting your husband. To respect means to, by Webster means, to consider worthy of esteem, to be concerned with, to notice him with attention, to favor him, to esteem him, to defer to him, to honor him as God's chosen to lead you naturally and spiritually. You need to respect your husband. You know, men would rather have respect sometime than to have love. Because if you say, well, I love you, sweetheart, you know, you just don't Valentine's Day, you know, or, or, you know, birthday or something like that, or some occasion. Uh, but they want to feel the love. And they feel a lot of time with respect. And a lot of times women don't respect the man. They don't respect their husband. They respect other people. They don't respect their husband because they figure their husband, they don't do the things they should be doing or that you want them to do. God is calling you to respect your husband. That's what he's calling you to do. Okay? You need to minister him. Minister to him. You minister him by doing things needful, things helpful, and uh, to aid him in carrying out his God-given responsibilities. You have to aid him. You know? And a lot of times, aid sometimes, if they don't know the word of God, you know, uh, ask the man, a, a man of God to, to uh, mentor your husband, you know, so you can get him up to par. You know, don't let, let him just flounder, you know. And doing things needful, let me add one thing to that. Women, read 1 Corinthians 7, 1 through 7, okay? Uh, I'm not going to put it on the screen or anything. I don't want them on the screen. Women, read that. You need to do things that are needful uh, uh, that your husband needs. Because if you don't, he's not going to be a happy camper. And if he's not a happy camper, then, you know, uh, uh, he gets kind of irritable. And he doesn't want to do things to nourish and cherish you. So you need to do things that are, that are needful that he needs, okay? And men need, like I said, respect, but they need other things too. So 1 Corinthians 7, and when I'm in a marriage class, I go over that. And when I'm individually, I go over that. You know, some of y'all already done turned to, to the thing, say, so y'all say, man, I'm not doing that, you know? I'm not going to do that, you know? Well, okay, don't then. Let him suffer, you know? That's all right, you know? you find out that, that you're going to suffer too, you know? But a happy man, boy, means a happy woman. I'm serious. I'm serious. That's enough said about that before I get in trouble. Okay, number eight. <laughs> uh, know that marriage is a covenant, not a contract. Marriage is a covenant and not a contract. Now, we think sometimes it's like a contract, you know, fifth fifth thing, but it's not. Marriage is a contract. It's a, it's a covenant. Now, you think about it now. Uh, God is a covenant-keeping God, isn't he? He's a covenant-keeping God. And that's, I think, what, what was one of the things that, that we don't realize, and that's why you have so many divorces in the church, because they don't look at it as a covenant. You know, uh, It'll be great, probably, you can have some leg to stand on if God has divorced Israel, and Israel is no longer God's. He's gotten rid of him. He got him somebody else. You know? No, God still is in covenant with Israel. We got drafted in by his grace, 
But he still loves Israel. Do you understand that? He really does. Let me read you uh, the vows I, I, I go over with, with couples when I marry people. Um, I, I said to the groom first, I said, the groom, repeat these vows after me. I, and let's call him Jack and Jill. Uh, I, Jack, take you, Jill, to be my wife. He'll say, I, Jack, take Jill to be my wife. I promise you before God, our Father, to hold true to the standards of God's word. Man, that's, that's something. I bet you most people don't even remember saying that. You know? To be the godly man that you deserve. To be the spiritual leader of our home. To love you unconditionally as Christ loved the church. To have and to hold from this day forth for better, for worse, for in wealth and poverty, or poverty, in sickness and in health, and to love and to cherish until death we part. As God is my witness, I give you my promise. Now, now that, 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 you have, you have, you have vowed before God, before witnesses, that you're gonna do this thing. That's what you do. And to the bride, I say, okay, repeat these vows after me. I, Jill, take you, Jack, to be my husband. I promise you before God, our Father, to hold true to the standards of God's word, to be the godly woman that you deserve, to be a suitable helper, to be a supportive and submissive wife. Whoa, I know you don't remember that, do you? To, to love you unconditionally, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, and wealth, our poverty, and sickness, and in health, to love and to cherish. So women, you need to create an environment for that husband to be all he's supposed to be. Also. Till death we part, as God is my witness, I give you this promise. These are some powerful words that we say. And don't you think, uh, uh, God holds it lightly. In the church, the divorce rate is the same as in the world just about. Don't you think he holds that, you know, oh, it's okay, you know, I understand, you know, uh, you know, they, they, they had, uh, uh, some differences they couldn't reconcile, you know, uh, shucks, come on. Nowhere in the world, you know. Not in the church. When we were in the world, yes, because we didn't have Christ. We didn't have nobody to help us. But we have the Holy Spirit, we have the Word of God, we have the whole body of Christ, you know. There's nowhere in the world that should be divorced like that. Nowhere in the world. Mm-mm. No, 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 no. That's how we're going to make a difference. That's how we're going to make a change. That's how we're going to get this thing right. we got to recognize that we have a covenant before God and before witnesses that this thing is going to work. And so, single, you better ch- choose right. Choose right. Because for, I'll forever hold your peace. <laughs> That's right, you know. And you better get help, you know, and stop doing this thing by yourself and being secretive, you know, and all this stuff with these dudes. And, 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 and oh, my arm, don't do that. Don't do that. I'm telling you, you better let somebody else uh, check this dude over, you know, because nine times out of ten, you know, uh, he's not what he claimed to be. And, 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 and we know how to, we know how to, how to smoke that dude out. We, I mean, we know how to do that, you know. Just, just get him around El Sam for, for, for a day or two, you know? <laughs> yeah, we'll find out. Number nine, take up your cross daily and follow Jesus. Mark eight thirty four through 38. And he summoned the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For who... 
ever wishes to save his life will lose it. So if you're interested in saving your life, if you're interested in doing your own thing, if you're interested in not listening to your spiritual authorities or your parents who are your spiritual authority, you know, they're overseeing you. If you're not interested in listening to them, then you're interested in saving your life. And God said, if you save your life, you're going to lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake in the gospel will save it. He said, well, he said, for my sake, he said, for my parents' sake. We already told our children they need to obey their parents. They need to honor their father and mother. So it's the word of God. Okay? He already told you everybody need to uh, uh, be submissive to their spiritual authorities because everybody should be in a church. If you're not in a church, then, then you, you're missing the word of God already because you're forsaking the of yourself, yourself together. And there's no way in the world an arm will be laying over here and everybody else in the body, you know? The arm tired is sleepy today, you know? No, the arm better get on up when the body gets up, you know? And we're supposed to be together, you know? When the head moves, the body moves, you see? And it says here, so... For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what would a man give in exchange for his soul? His soul. For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous, I like this, this version here. Because I could have read it from another version like Luke 9, 23. But it says that in this adulterous and sinful generation. You know that we, we're in, a, in, a, in an age uh, that is sinful and is adulterous. And it says that if you're ashamed of me in this world, I already read you from the, from, from the newspaper. It's an adulterous, it's a, a fornicating world that we live in. Nation and the world we live in. And so he says that if you're ashamed of me, if you're ashamed of my words when I tell you don't touch that, don't be fornicating, don't, just like he told Adam, don't, do not eat from this tree. Every tree in the garden you can even don't eat from this tree. He means what he says. So he says that um, singles, sex is for marriage, not before, not before. And if you if you want to sin, you're sinning against your own body, sinning against God, and God is not pleased with that because he has a he has a plan. You see. Has a plan, and so Satan knows that. So he tries to make it, to make it enticing to sin. Everybody is doing this thing. If you if you watch some of the NBA uh, playoffs, these commercials, man, all a lot of a lot of them are beer commercials, and it seems like man, you know, man, the only way you're gonna have fun is drink some beer, you know. This is crazy, you know, but that's how they make it, the world sound. Okay, and it says that. Now, if you're ashamed of me, he said, the son of man will be also ashamed of him when he comes in his glory of his father with, his, with the, the holy angels. And we don't want Jesus to be ashamed of us, do we? Well, then we don't want to be ashamed of him and his word, what he says is the word, because he is the word. In Luke 9, 23, it says that uh, he was saying to them all, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. It's the same scenario, it's the same uh, thing in Mark, but he says there, take up his cross daily. Now, I want to put that verse because uh, we need to pick up our cross daily, take it up daily, because in order to live in a world like we're living in, uh, and, 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 and stay in a relationship with our mate like we should, we're going to have to take up our cross daily, daily. 
It's not going everything is not going to please you in a marriage. Most things are not going to please you in a marriage, you know. Uh, but I tell you what, if you're dead, it doesn't matter, does it? It doesn't matter because you died with Christ on the cross. And therefore, you were raised with Christ. So the life you now live in this flesh, you're not living of your own, are you? No, you're living by faith in the Son of God. And let's close with number 10. You must be willing to get spiritual help if the two of you have not been able to overcome alone. We try to teach you to overcome alone, but sometimes uh, you're not able to overcome alone without some a little help there. And that's what we're here for, to help you overcome so you can help somebody else overcome. It's no fun going through the same, going around the same thing. We call them scripts, having the same scripts all the time, all the time, same arguments all the time. And it's, and it's worse when you have these things. You say, you know what? Uh, we don't we don't talk about that because it always causes problems. So we don't have problems in our marriage because everything is a problem we don't talk about. But you got problems in your marriage, you know. You're just not talking about them, you know. And so um, most people don't want to come for help because it's, it's humbling to come for help. But I tell you, uh, God says it's smart. It's wisdom to come for help because that's what we're here for. That's what he gave you. Uh, uh, spiritual overseers for, to oversee your soul. He didn't give it to you for just to stand up and, and give you the word of God. He, he told you that so he can oversee your soul. I can't oversee your soul standing here. I can't do it. I don't know what your soul is about. I don't know what's going through your mind. I don't know what, what you, you're doing and what you're not doing. But if we get together enough and, and we interact enough and we ask enough questions, we'll find out what's happening. And that's overseeing souls. Okay, And that's what we try to do with our our leaders, we try to have them to interact with you more, to talk to you more, to find out whether there's anything they can do to help you in a way, form, or fashion. Now, we know we're not there yet, but we know that we will get there. I know that men, most of us are not there yet, just like I was not there yet, but we can press towards the mark for the prize of high calling. Women, we're not there yet, but we know we can press towards the mark of the high calling also. And we're not there as a church, the church of the living God. That means that wherever the church meets, whether it's in Lynchburg, whether it's in Richmond, whether it's in um, North Carolina, whether it's in uh, the United Kingdom, Norway, wherever it meets, it's the same thing. We're not there yet. We're not there yet. But we can get there. But it takes a, a, a team effort. I can't get you there. You can't get me there. But by the grace of God... We can help each other get there. Let's stand.